time has come. The Titans are clashing. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, versus Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. It's the film that is on its way to saving the movie theater experience, and it's our topic of today's show, Godzilla versus Kong. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Caleb Leger. And this is the 14th episode of the Sneak Preview, our show that follows the current movie calendar. In addition, we'll also discuss the recent horror release, The Unholy, which isn't exactly turning heads. But first, let's take a look at what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, trailer time. We got a new trailer for Black Widow, which is now set on a July 9th release date for theaters and for 30 bucks on Disney Plus if you just hate yourself. And uh, I think, you know, I've been on board with this for a while, been waiting for this, been excited for this, you know, the beginning of phase four, if you don't count the TV shows. And uh, this new trailer, I don't feel like it added anything, but it certainly made me excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board, been on board, so... I mean, it's good that they got a new trailer out to kind of get us pumped for its release this year as opposed to last year. So I'm excited. Have been storm. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, you know, kind of just looking at my watch like, come on. <laughs> and um, I am ex- I am happy that now that it's coming out in 2021, we get to do it here. So that's exciting. Yeah, uh, that's going to be great. Okay. Next, the second trailer for Spiral, the new Saw film from Chris Rock, set for release on May 14th. I'm very psyched for this one. I oh I I love Saul, as you know. Yes. And I was on board with that first trailer again last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm still on board now. Um, it looks like it's gonna be the most like Halloween 2018 blueprint that we've seen, <laughs> in that it's a comedian who really loves this franchise apparently. Mm-hmm doing this movie because the only reason this got made is because Chris Rock is a huge fan of the franchise and apparently gave them a stellar script that they immediately said yes to. Sweet. Yeah, so I'm I'm so excited. I cannot wait. You think Tobin Bell's in a cameo? I think so. They've been very coy. They have not confirmed him for this movie, but I would not be surprised if he will show up for a cameo. Uh, From my understanding, he's pretty good with the fans in this franchise, so yeah, that's not that's not surprising. He seems he seems down. <laughs> uh, next up, Wrath of Man, the new action thriller from Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham, set for a May seventh release. Very bare bones, Guy Ritchie. You know, pure Statham action. I'm of course I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After his kind of eh, after Guy Ritchie's like blockbuster phase and having to sit through King Arthur. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I like the return to firm. He's been doing with like the gentleman and looks like with this as well. So I'm I'm excited to see him and Jason Stam team up again. It is weird that he had this like this run where it was I mean the Sherlock Holmes films are great, but then like King Arthur was terrible. Aladdin was a weird choice. <laughs> um didn't feel like a guy Richie movie in the slightest. Like that could have been any director. It's clearly Disney telling whoever's in the chair what to do. Uh, but the gentleman was a fucking masterpiece, and in my opinion, his best film since Snatch. And I cannot wait for Wrath of Man. I seeing you know Richie and Statham t- together is just you know, mwah. yeah, it, yeah. Seeing him kind of him going back to his roots and giving us the guy Richie that we like, 
And I mean, I'm always down for a Chase and Salem vehicle. Oh, hell yeah. Dude's a badass. Uh, and finally, the trailer for Space Jam, A New Legacy, starring LeBron James and the Looney Tunes, set for a July 16th release. And this looks horrendous. My God, I don't, I don't want it. And you know what? Someone pointed out, and I noticed it. Didn't even think about it. They made a big deal about Pepe Le Pew, as um, I'm sure you and our fans have heard. Yeah, and canceling him because he promotes apparently rape culture, a cartoon skunk, mind you. Yeah, but if you pay attention to who they show in like the crowd for the Space Jam portion. They got the characters from A Clockwork Orange in there in a movie. Yeah. You know the movie where they rape and do a little bit of the ultraviolence? Oh, my God. So Pepe Le Pew, who never raped, is not okay. But having characters that have an entire scene dedicated to him singing a song and raping, is they okay? Forget that is some hypocritical bullshit. I don't like that at all. Hence my hatred of cancel culture. Yeah. This movie is 100% unnecessary. We don't need a Space Jam sequel. Nobody wants a Space Jam sequel. Especially when all they did was rip off Ready Player One. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the trailer reeks of ripoff. And then the I saw an article on IGN like the day after the trailer came out. With the director, who apparently admitted to not having not seen Space Jam until 2019 for the first time. And he went on this big rant about how Lola Bunny was uh, sexualized and he couldn't believe it. He was so stunned at how sexualized she was in the original Space Jam. And he made like a big deal about changing her outfit to not be like a midriff thing, like not a crop top, but a whole jersey. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's good. But what about your movie? I don't. You're going on about your politics in the movie, not the movie. I want to know about the movie. Yeah. So I, this movie is reeking of stilled ideals, political statement through and through. I have zero interest in it. It has, it's not going to honor the original space stream, in my opinion. So I'm not, I'm not interested. Yep. Neither am I. I, I, I hate unnecessary sequels. Cash grabs are garbage to me. And this reeks of, green <laughs> yeah so, no i mean we'll obviously cover it or at least i will i don't know who i'll be pairing that one with you know what if no one watches it i'll i'll sit through it but i'm not seeing in theaters it will be an hbo max sit down yeah. i'm not paying extra for that one yeah <laughs> it, uh yeah so those are our trailers um uh, big week for trailers we don't usually have that many no they have some good ones though yeah well uh, two good ones. <laughs> three good ones yeah, three good ones. Dwayne Johnson has revealed that Black Adam will be coming out on July 29th, 2022. Here's hoping, because this is like the fourth or fifth release date we've gotten from this movie. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. I think it looks neat. I think it sounds neat. I still think it's weird that Black Adam's getting his own movie, but whatever. Uh, well, he he kind of hijacked Times Square. It was a, was a pretty cool announcement. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean... DC movie wise has been on a home run. I haven't watched one more nineteen eighty four, so don't like come at me. I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but for the most part, their recent slated films have been a home run. I'm going to check it out because of it. But I, yeah, it boggles my mind that this is not he's not a villain. 
in a Shazam movie. And I think I've read somewhere that he even referenced him as a superhero. I'm like, he's not a superhero. Like no. he's a he's a villain. <laughs> it's so. very yeah, it's very clear. I mean, you know, Black Adam's kind of he's he's Shazam's Joker. Like they've had that relationship. It's, it's odd. I mean, maybe yeah. they'll do it justice. Maybe Dwayne Johnson's passion will shine through. But as of now, I'm uncertain. Yeah, I'll. I'll I'm gonna hope the passion part is like how it was with Deadpool and me, like being a really kick-ass movie. So, yeah. Uh, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City has been pushed to November 24th. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm so going to check it out. Yeah, I don't have much to say about Resident Evil. I'll I'll watch a few of them before I go see this new one. Uh, I'm not watching I'll, all six, but I will watch some of them. I'll put my stamp on this as a Resident Evil fan. I'm really excited mainly because this director um i put it on my sonic review about like how i felt like that was the game that finally cracked how to make a video game movie yeah. and it was just a simple concept of like get people that actually like or that like the video game they're making a movie into get committed actors that won't ham it up even if they haven't played the damn game and just make a movie and work the video game elements into it naturally knocked it out of the park the director has been on a good track in interviews with me with um, him saying that he's a big fan of the series. He's been a fan since it first came out. So he's played all of them. He loves it. Um, he wants to really adapt the first two movies, uh, first two games, since why it's called Welcome to Raccoon City. Because the first one game takes place in the mansion. The second one takes place in Raccoon City. Um, and he's been adamant about his inspiration being John Carpenter, specifically Assault on Precinct 13. So he's been saying a lot of the right things in interviews that has given me really hopeful for this. Um, I hope they don't keep adjusting this release date, but I'm I'm excited. It feels like the movie we should have gotten the first time. Well, sweet. You know, I'm happy for the fans. I really hope it works out. Really, I just, you know, my apathy is that I just haven't played the game. I just don't have a you know dog in the race. That's fair. I'm 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 a big fan of the games, eagerly anticipating Resident Evil Village. <laughs> I guess. Um, Adam Wingard, director of Godzilla vs. Kong, has been tapped to direct a Thundercats movie. Uh, okay. I'm whatever. You know, there is no there's so few untapped minds anymore <laughs> that now we're reaching for the Thundercats. So bring it on. <laughs> All right. I'll bring up my fun fact I mentioned to you before we recorded. Adam Wingard went to the school I went to for college. That's the fun fact. So I will support him simply because of that. And I've liked what he's done. I, I think the only movie that slipped me that I really need to see is The Guest, but I've seen everything else of his. The Guest is fucking awesome, dude. Like, you, you I, would love The Guest. <laughs> I have heard nothing but great things. I need to, I need to watch it. Um, I loved everything else he's done, though. You're next. The movie we're going to be talking about soon. So I, I'm down. I mean, yeah, it's a weird choice, Thundercats, but Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't filled me yet so i'll give it a shot i'm hoping for like a gritty like super gritty r-rated reboot where it's like you know i don't i have no thundercat references to make i just know lion o and thunder but that's all i got i know everything i know about thundercats i learned from robot chicken <laughs> <laughs> you mean the, the show where they sexualize them and everything <laughs> yes he-man yeah. as well that's all i like that's that's where i know all my 80s cartoon Pop culture references. 
<laughs> um, Netflix has closed a deal for two sequels to Knives Out. Ryan Johnson is returning to write and direct, and Daniel Craig is returning to star as Benoit Blanc. The deal cost $400 million, the biggest film purchased by a streaming network to date. That is, that's awesome. I mean, that Netflix can just, you know, blow $400 million for Knives Out sequels, which I'm totally on board for. I, I really like that movie. And uh, it screams franchise potential. We've got them, you know, modern day Sherlock Holmes here. So bring it on. Yeah, I'm with you. I really like the first one. Uh, Ryan Johnson does really good when it's its own movie, not when he wants to adapt something. Yeah. Still don't forgive him for Star Wars. Uh, moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I really like that first movie. I'm down to see these next two, especially if you're bringing back Daniel Craig here. I really, really liked in it. Um, I want to know where Netflix gets this money because they don't reveal how many people watch their shit. So they just have this invisible bank account, apparently. Well, I mean, yeah, I've never really understood where success comes from in streaming films. Like, how do you judge that? How do you judge something as success? I, I don't know. Because you're not Netflix, paying extra for it. So yeah. what? Netflix doesn't help because they are adamant about not releasing their numbers. And I'm like, why? What is the scare? <laughs> <laughs> what are you hiding, Netflix? You've won. You've won so much. You made a documentary about the people you beat. Oh, God. Wasn't that just salt in the fucking wound? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen a studio suck their own dick harder than that. My God. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet either, but I'm, I just see it like the balls to do this. Wow. You know, everyone at like Netflix was just beating it to that documentary. Just, yep, we can do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. uh, Russell Crowe has joined the cast of Thor Love and Thunder in an undisclosed role. The film is set for release May 6, 2022. And okay, sure. Why not? This, the Thor movies have gotten so like delightfully outrageous that I. I, I'm not surprised anymore at anything. I'm I'm 100% on board with this. Taika Waititi set bar, and I'm just going with it. I heard a, a rumor that uh, like they said they're bringing back the actors who played like the fake Thor, fake Odin from Ragnarok. Melissa McCarthy's playing fake Hela. So somebody thinks Russell Crowe is playing fake Thanos. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> just a clearly painted purple. Russell Crowe with like a paper mache gauntlet. Oh my god, that movie's already amazing. Especially if he's still like the fat Russell Crowe, it's going to be even better. <laughs> like unhinged Crowe who hasn't lost the weight yet. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he hasn't lost it since the Nice Guys. Let's be honest. That's true. That's oh, that's. Did you see his um the video he did for GQ? No. He. I don't want to fat shame, but he's looking. Uh, jolly <laughs> and then he did unhinged which i really liked i thought it was a really cool movie but i need i need to see that one i keep hearing that that's one i need to check out because he's really good apparently that was my return to the theaters back in august when i was like fuck it i've got nothing to lose i want to see a movie there's nobody there i'll wear a mask and i went to see unhinged and i was like sitting in a chair like that's oh, the movies like i was happy like i'm here and I was like, and the movie's pretty good. <laughs> it's a good day. 
Yeah, I have, I bought that and I put it in the uh, the voodoo. So whenever you know, if you wanted to, it's there. I, I will once I I'm literally at the tail end of my Joe Bob catch up, so I'm about to have a whole lot of time finally. Yes. Yeah, I really hope Crow is playing just a fat Thanos actor. <laughs> I hope that's it. That would be so great. <laughs> I would I would welcome that completely. <laughs> Speaking of comic books, uh, DC and Warner Brothers have announced they are not moving forward with two upcoming projects. Ava DuVernay's New Gods movie and the Aquaman spinoff The Trench have both been canceled. Uh, the Trench, I get. Nobody wanted to see that. But New Gods, I was looking forward to. You wanted to see The Trench? I wanted to see The Trench. Look, Why? I welcome these horror-approached comic book movies because it's cool. I think it's a cool concept horror comic book it just meshes well and it seems like every step of the way they keep something happens you have like new movies i get like delayed 20 times and you got made more scary less scary depending on whoever the fuck's telling the story you got uh the almost scare with uh, the new doctor strange coming out where mom was like well we don't really want to be horror heavy but then they turn around and got sam raimi yeah it's weird it's like, all right, so it's going to be horror, and you're just not wanting to say it. <sighs> um, and now you got this, where it's like, okay, well, we're about the trench now. We're just not going to move forward. I'm like, just give me my horror superhero movie that I want. But with the trench, like, what story are they going to tell? Like, I think as much as Aquaman was cool, I think it was very forgettable. I haven't wanted to go back and watch it. So I don't really remember what the trench was about. And if I don't remember what it was about, why am I going to go see a spinoff? I don't know. DC? I don't know. <laughs> I, no, that's no longer, you know, the DC or Marvel brand is no longer enough for me. Like, I didn't go see the New Mutants. I have yet to watch. I heard it's on one of the streaming services or coming to one of them. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll wait till it comes on there and I'll watch it. <laughs> After I saw Dark Phoenix, I was like, loyalty is is dead. I'm now it's about, you know, is it gonna be good? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I need to I'm learning I need to be careful when I go on like IGN because those fuckers, every time a new Falcon or Soldier episode comes out, check out how this character relates to this. I'm like, shut up. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you gotta be I'm careful like, of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, stop. I'm like, okay, I get it. The shows are super setting up upcoming movies but enough i finally i did get caught up on i on the three and i am digging it i sucks there's only three left but i am enjoying that show you know the marvel like the mcu umbrella they clearly know what they're doing they have for years nothing but love i know that i'm gonna love everything they do but you know outside of that with the you know like i said the fox properties and now marvel's properties so that's no longer an issue but, you know, with the Sony stuff like Venom 2 and Morbius, I'm still a little, you know, hesitant. I want to like them, but I'm not that confident. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I, I did not hate Venom like a lot of people did. Me too. But I can also tell you that most of my like, a very good chunk of my like, was because of Tom Hardy. There's a lot of problems around him, in my opinion. But yeah. I did like him a lot. I was very impressed with the visual effects. I thought the way Venom looked was solid i thought that the fluid of the symbiote was done really well yeah um yeah i agree with that 
I think it it should have been a hard R. It was it felt like it was trying to be and just couldn't get it. You could tell so many times you're like, you guys filmed that R rated, and then the studio came in and made you edit it for PG thirteen, didn't they? Yeah. 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 But you know, I've gone back to that one. I've rewatched that. That's a fun movie. And that's it, that's good. But yeah, like I said, I'll I've have I have rewatched it again because Tom Hardy's he's awesome to watch in that movie. That's the most unhinged performance I think I've ever seen him give, and it's awesome. Oh, I don't know about that. I think I think that award still goes to Bronson. <laughs> I haven't seen Bronson yet. That's I don't know. He is wackadoodle in Bronson. Like that is a great movie and a true story of just a man who went completely insane in solitary confinement. Uh, cool story. Cool movie. Uh, so that's the trench. New Gods is a story I've wanted to see on the big screen for so long. Dark Side and High Father and all those assholes. I want to see that. And Ava DuVernay was a cool name to attach to that. Mm-hmm. And now with the Snyder Cut possibly being the end of that universe, it is probably going to be decades before we see Dark Side on the big screen again. And that's a bummer because he's one of my favorite villains in comic book history and I wanted more. And this was going to be the way I got more and now I'm not going to get it. Yeah. I'm also, I wonder if that's why they called it off because of the Justice League release, but we don't want to do New Gods now because, you know, DC has the weirdest reasons they don't want to do something. I'm sure everyone who's worked on a DC TV property can attest to that one. <laughs> hey, can we use this character? No. We, uh, we're we saving him for a movie that we're never actually going to release, so if you could just work around that for your TV show that's currently airing and is successful and will definitely feature the character. Nope. We might want to use him for a movie that will never come out. It's like they think the audience is going to be like, but I saw that guy in the movie. So what, what, what? Like they're just going to explode with confusion. Like people understand separate universes and different actors and different stories. People are not stupid, most of them. So I, I think it's, you know, it, if DC would just let both worlds exi- coexist, everything would be fine. I don't know why they keep doing that. I really liked your... <laughs> Your recreation of someone losing their mind. What? <laughs> yeah, it's that's what they think of us. What kills me even more is that one, who they keep telling this to is the shows on the CW. Which look, I know I'm one of the few that watches those shows, but key word I just said there, one of the few. It's not a lot of people watching these fucking shows. Not anymore. Not anymore. Two, they did a whole Crisis on Infinite Earth adaptation which established a multiverse. So where is the issue? Where is the confusion? <laughs> what are you talking about? You established a multiverse, you fucking idiots. You had Ezra Miller's Flash pop up on that show. Like, they, we get it. And also, what a waste. I was so bummed out by that. Like, I, want, I was looking forward to that for years. And what they did was so limited. I mean... God, you get Kevin Conroy as Batman and that's what you do? Are you fucking kidding me? You get Tom Welling back and you don't Superman his ass out? Are you... God damn it. Yeah, I was. The, I think the strongest thing that, the, that thing I had going for it was John Cryer's Lex Luthor. I fucking adore John Cryer's Lex Luthor. Oh, he, he's been awesome, but I don't think he's going to be around much any longer. Ah. I, I, I saw the, the new uh, season premiere of Supergirl. The way it looks, I don't know how if he's coming back. That's a 
fucking bummer. I was hoping he'd like move over to the Superman and Lois show at the very least. You would think, but they're going with I I I'd have to look the villain up. I cannot tell who the fuck the villain is, but I'd have to look it up. I don't know if it's their because they seem to be doing the original villain route, which is fucking weird. God damn it! But stop watching. It. I don't know if that's what they're doing. I'm saying I'm noticing in movies, and I wonder if that's what's going on here because I do not recognize this fucking villain. What season is this now? Six, five for Supergirl. Yeah, six. Season six, villain. So I might recognize the name. Uh. Kara's most dangerous type of foe. Uh, challenge yet. New main villain plotting a secret. Fatal Five. I'm talking about the main villain on Superman and Lois. And you said you crossed to that. Yeah. Well, I couldn't find it. I don't care. I'm not thinking about it anymore. The one I was. I figured it out. I'll text you. Okay. The one I was really disappointed to leave was The Flash because I was invested in that for, sec- I think, six seasons. And the whole Mirror Master thing, I just, I gave up on. Uh, I got tired of Barry always being, like, super emotional and just like, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this. Every time. Like, be the goddamn Flash. The Flash is upbeat. He's optimistic. And he gets shit done. <laughs> The way they keep writing Barry as this like emotionally fragile piece of glass is ridiculous and I'm tired of it. Oh. You know what's funny too? They did that as they finally realized, hey, these seasons are getting really dark for Flash. Like season, I think like three and four. Mm-hmm. You know, finally they were like, these are getting really dark. Let's me line the mood up. But then they didn't do that with Barry. <laughs> so it was like a really upbeat mood again in the show and then Barry still having like existential crises. For me, the the like what finally set me off with the Flash was season five, where they've defeated you know Reverse Flash, Zoom, Savitar, the Thinker, like these big villains who were legitimate threats to like the world's existence. And then there's this asshole with a dagger, <laughs> and he Cicada, and he's supposed to be a threat on par with those guys who the Team Flash consistently defeats in every episode, and then just lets walk away are you kidding me this is your main threat like I, there's, oh. i'm with you there i look okay a lot of this watching is because you know me i'm a completionist yeah so i can yes i yeah i remember watching that going i think after like the fifth fucking battle with cicada i was like are we really gonna let him get away again i and i remember at one point they tricked me i thought i was like maybe he's just till the mid-season and then he got away I'm like, no, he's the main villain. You can't beat you can't beat Oz with a dagger. Like that's where we're at now. (laughs) Good God. And then I mean Kevin Klein committed, but yeah. (laughs) That and the whole blood work thing from season six, that seemed like such a wasted opportunity. I was very unclear as to what that guy's powers were or what his motivations were anything about this guy <laughs> yeah dude it's honestly i can tell you right now it's kind of like the point sometimes when like i'm watching these shows and i'm on my ipad on blade discussing like catching up on hormone news and i look up like uh-huh all right yeah exactly <laughs> like, i'm i'm not invested uh, yeah i keep track so i know but yeah i mean i do the same thing with the walking dead though i'm at that point where i'm like just in your show already for the love of god 
the like as of right now in terms of what is currently still on i'm only keeping up with really not counting the mcu stuff because that's just its own bubble or I'm, I'm only keeping up with better call saul the mandalorian lucifer and brooklyn 99 that's that's all i got right now and all of those are currently not on <laughs> so i'm just waiting yeah, I, I've been playing some massive catch-up. Uh, I still got to get caught up on Walking Dead. So, And somehow the only thing spoiled on that show is that Maggie's back, but I knew that because she had gotten recast because her show failed. That whole story is hilarious. Like She just took off to film a show, like to do a new show, and then like the, the show just kind of treated her like, oh, you know, Maggie just left. The middle of a giant war, Mag- Maggie just took off. That's in character, and yeah. now she's back because the show failed. I love. That. I, didn't she took a pay cut? <laughs> Probably. I hope they made her like it. Bugs you an actress too. I mean, look, I'm like, look, be like the Winchester brothers, right? Those two actors were saying no left and right to shit because they're like, no, we're going to finish the show we started. I'm like, thank you. That's how you do it. You're the main characters. Finish the fucking show. I don't understand actors that just leave like I'm just I need something different and I need to move on. What from your steady paycheck you're making from a super successful show that's lasting like 10 or more seasons? You're not making yeah. enough millions from your network show? God damn. Yeah, I, I'm I feel so bad for you. You're oh no. Every TV show on television should take a page from Supernatural's book. 15 mostly solid seasons. No behind-the-scenes drama, a cast and crew fully dedicated, and an ending that I think stuck. To yeah, the, I know. Bring it great up. ending. Yeah. Great ending. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, too many times actors let egos get in the way, and they're like, I'm just going to leave a show. David Duchovny with X-Files. I'm just going to leave so I can pursue a movie. I'm like, you're a main character, jackass. Stay. And you came back because nobody saw evolution but me. <laughs> more on that, check out episode 130 of the Filmgasm podcast. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's weird. Uh, and it really, you know, sucks when we, the fans, have to deal with, you know, the fallout of all that shit when they have to just redo their plan, if they even had one. Most of the time, they don't have one. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? The chick that played uh, Emily Bett Records, Philistine Arrow? When they announced, like, hey, season eight's going to be it, it's only going to be, what, ten, eight, ten episodes? Some, like, really short count for them. And she's like, yeah, well, season seven is going to be my last one. I'm like, why? It's like, you you weren't even supposed to be on the show this long. You became a fan favorite because you had great chemistry with the main actor. You're attractive. And then you end up staying on much longer than originally planned. And what? The last season comes around, which is only 10 episodes. You're like, I don't want to finish it. God, I really grew to hate Felicity. She was such a horribly written character in the middle of that show's run. She just became this, you know, pointless, almost shrew who was just like tearing him down every episode. <laughs> and we never got to have the Oliver Queen and Black Canary thing that was supposed to happen because everyone liked her for some reason. Like, God, Arrow, such a goddamn mess. But I stuck through that one. I watched all of that. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I felt pretty, you know, I didn't feel like I earned anything at the end of that. You know, no, I mean, it was a good finale. Like, it was a solid finale, but, you yeah. know. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, before we get into Godzilla, uh, The Unholy. 
Written and directed by Evan Spilatopoulos, who also wrote The Little Mermaid 3, The Jungle Book 2, Pooh's Heffalump movie, 2014's Hercules, The Huntsman Winter's War, 2017's Beauty and the Beast, and The Lion King 1.5. So naturally, his directorial debut is a horror flick about a demon masquerading as the Virgin Mary. So tell us about this one, Caleb. I regrettably could not see this due to just poor planning on my part. I don't regret <sighs> much, but you told me this was uh, not a not a winner. No, no. God, it, it sounds like I'm ranting at the beginning of the show between the Space Jam trailer and the rant we just had now this. Uh, yeah, this movie sucks. Dear God. Um, it, it, it did the, something I really fucking hate when movies do. When you get a super talented cast. I mean, we're talking, you get actors like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, William Sadler, Carrie Ulls that have all been great in other shit. And I like in other stuff. Mm-hmm. Putting into this movie, they're committing dodgy Massachusetts accent aside. <laughs> And by that, I mean, Carrie Ewell's just speak like you should, because dear God, was that accent horrendous. Oh, boy. Yeah, he did an accent. Um, You have all them, literally, they're committing, they're trying. But around them is a movie with horrendous CGI for the ghost, the creepy ghost I'm supposed to be scared by. Horrendous CGI. Uh, Very big reliance on jump scares, which weren't even good. Because God bless, we create an actual unsettling atmosphere. And this constant religious theme that it never felt like it went in depth to. Like it never seemed to want to dig deeper. It kept going on the surface, this religious theme, which is the entire fucking movie, without really going all the way in. Well, that sucks. I mean, you know, early reviews came out and were pretty negative and. I had a feeling this was going to be another, you know, stinker. There's, they pick like a horror word, you know, unholy possession, turning, and like make one of these every year. They make like four, and they're always kind of the same movie, and we just end up, you know, stuck. And I'm kind of glad I ended up not being able to see this. Yeah, the the main reason I saw this is because of my predicament. I haven't seen a horror film in theater in over a year. So I was like, let me I, let me go see this because, you know, Spiral's not coming out till May. Yeah. Um, so I was like, let me at least go see this and I can get my fix. I got my fix, but boy, was it a bad fix. Um, <laughs> I'm, now I'm just like, can we just get to May when Spiral comes out? Because I know we're both excited for it. It looks great based off the reaction in the theater it i think and we got our hit on our hands because a lot of people are here in the theater go ooh ooh like there was sooner an excitement in the theater when that trailer played um so yeah can we just get to that because dear god the unholy just oh god was jeffrey dean morgan at least not playing negan this time yeah for once he wasn't playing negan it wasn't like when i sat through rampage he was just basically negan special agent negan fbi yeah no, he he actually did a really good job. It felt like he was finally like giving us a performance that wasn't Negan. I am so concerned about his weight. He looks sickly with how skinny he is. Well, I think he did that for The Walking Dead. Uh, I don't know why, but I just I would assume that's why he lost all that weight. 
I hope, I mean, I'm sure it's probably healthy for him. I know he's in his fifties now, but it's sometimes kind of scary seeing like, you okay there, buddy? Well, I saw a screenshot from the walking dead where he just like, he was in a t-shirt and he looked like a hundred pounds, you know, soaking wet. So I, I hope he's okay. I hope it's a weight loss for the show. I hope he doesn't have like terminal cancer or something. Yeah. I hope it's not or like him trying to like, maybe, I don't know, look good for his wife. Like, I don't know. I hope it's nothing. <laughs> so he needs to start going in the other direction. Cause he looks like hell. Yeah. No. <laughs> but well, yeah. So the unholy, uh, your one out of 10 score. What do you give it? I gave it a three just for the actors, just for the actors alone. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's rough. That is rough. Yeah. Well, I'll watch it eventually. I mean, obviously I'm in no hurry, but uh, I'll see it. And, you know, I'll throw out my two cents when I finally do see it. <laughs> have, have fun with that. God. I'll tell you what I did have fun with Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally, I don't have to rant anymore. The latest and possibly last in Warner Brothers' MonsterVerse franchise, following 2014's Godzilla, 2017's Kong Skull Island, and 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters. The only other franchise besides Marvel that has been able to work a cinematic universe successfully. I can't figure out why, but this worked so well. All four of these films solid and fun movies agreed um i will okay let me get this quick rant out of the way uh no i agree they've been very fun and what has the only thing that's really bugged me is not the movies but this common complaint i've seen since 2014's godzilla okay which is these are good but the character development is really lacking what are you paying for when you go see Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Godzilla versus Kong? I don't recall any of those being named after the human characters. <laughs> Dude, I don't remember anybody's name from any of those movies. I, you're yeah, not even, I, nobody's paying attention to that. That's a complaint to me that I'm like, you're digging. Like, you're just trying to find something like... That, no, the character development in these movies is not good. But... I'm not, I'm not paying to see that. I'm paying to see these monsters, these titans of cinema that have been prevalent in Kong's case since the 30s yeah. and Godzilla's since the 50s. Um, just wreck shop. And on that front, all of these movies have delivered, especially the one we'll be talking about. Fun fact, I just wanted to throw this out. I found this out the other day. Did you know Son of Kong is the first sequel ever made? No, I didn't. 1933, the Son of Kong, sequel to King Kong, first sequel ever made, set the, set the bar. I've heard it's a pretty terrible movie, but still, the fact that it, you know, the first movie to ever have a sequel is King Kong, I think that's pretty cool. That is cool, yeah. Um, I, I honestly think that the weakest of the four is the first Godzilla, but even that's a decent movie. It's only weak because it focuses so much on the human characters. Yes, yeah, and we only get like five minutes of Godzilla total. Yeah, I mean, and I get what at the time the director was trying to do. Like, okay, we're reintroducing, especially for American audiences after that '90s one that no one likes. Mm. So I get the intent. Like, okay, how do I do this to get people back to see a Godzilla movie made by an American studio? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's really amp up his size and stuff by doing it through the human characters. And I get that, but yeah, and now with these movies out 
it's like you're kind of the weak link because I want to see Godzilla and you keep cutting away in that movie. Yeah, I don't care about Aaron Taylor Johnson trying to get back to his family. Like, nobody cares. I want to see Godzilla fight the big, you know, praying mantis looking thing, the Muto. I want to see that. I mean, there's some yeah. great fan service in the first movie. Uh, but overall, you know, pretty pretty weak compared to what comes after. I thought Kong Skull Island's the best King Kong movie we've ever gotten. Oh, I love Kong Skull Island. It's not, you know, three and a half hours like Peter Jackson's Kong. And uh, it's not ridiculous like the 70s one. It's, it's pretty badass. And yeah. then, yeah, King of the Monsters blew me away. Seeing Ghidorah like that, holy shit, I was on board immediately. It makes me kind of mad that that almost didn't give us this because its box office wasn't great. Because yeah. I remember saying, going, why aren't you people seeing this? Like, the fucking fight scenes are awesome. That is some of the best cinematography I've seen in cinema in, like, a couple of years. Like, the cinematography, cinematography in that movie is beautiful. Well, and they stayed true to the character's roots. You know, Ghidorah was an alien invader. They did, like, all that. You got to see Mothra and Rodan, like, help him fight. The whole nuclear explosion recharge. Like, it was a Godzilla movie. Like, yeah. I was in. Like, seeing, you know, hearing his music again for the first time in, like, 30 years. I was, I'm so happy uh, that movie ended. I think it was Michael Doherty who made that one, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, he fucking killed it. Like, that he, one is a close second to Godzilla versus Kong, which is now my favorite. But, oh, yeah. Godzilla vs. Kong is my favorite. But yeah, no. I, isn't it awesome when you think about the directors we just named, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Doherty for Godzilla King Monsters now. Um, Adam Ringard for this. Both have horror backgrounds and they gave us the two most kick-ass fucking Godzilla movies. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And, you know, these are guys who are clearly fans and they wanted to do right. And they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely, yeah. And I... Yeah, I think it took horror guys because immediately, like, Godzilla and Kong are popular in the horror genre. The, the rather large fan base. So to get guys like that the chance to basically say, like, these things we've grown up watching and love and we have the chance to do it now. Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to disparage Gareth Edwards, who did give us a really good movie in the mm. first 2014 Godzilla. I mean, the trailer for that gave me chills. You know, hearing the roar, seeing Godzilla actually look like Godzilla was was nice and uh yeah it's a solid flick it's just it's been topped and that's you know it's like the first avengers movie which is great but it has been topped yeah <laughs> it's been to- and yeah like you said like at least it's been topped but it, it is a good movie and it's something i have no issues revisiting i still love to watch it yeah same with kong fun movie totally um so going back i mean godzilla's been around for you know 60 years showed up in 1954 for the first time and i regret that i still have not seen that movie I, i've only seen a handful of the godzilla movies the, the there a lot of them are not that great but just um pump them out yeah just i mean there's like 20 30 godzilla movies it's crazy i think it's the longest franchise in history and i think so yeah ongoing uh have you seen what have you seen any of the the old ones I, I've seen the old ones. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I cannot put names to them because what would happen is like Sci-Fi Channel uh, or like some other TV station would show marathons. And as a kid, I would watch those with my dad. Yeah. Um, so we could, one, laugh at the amazing dubbing of watching Japanese people talk. 
but they they would stop and the English language would go or vice versa. Yeah. But also because I had fun seeing Godzilla do Godzilla stuff as a kid. So I can't put names to the ones I've seen, but I remember watching it a lot as a kid on TV when they would do marathons and always enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fair. I mean, these got these things bleed. They bleed. I mean, it's hard to really remember a scene or like a monster and pick the movie. I mean, you're picking from a pool of 20, 30 movies. Uh, (laughs) I was a huge Godzilla fan when I was a kid. I had a, I still have a big old Godzilla toy. I had um, the terror of Mecha Godzilla on tape. And that's the one where Godzilla fights Mecha Godzilla and uh, Titanosaurus. And I don't remember the movie at all, but I remember the tape like case and uh that was neat i had um my all-time favorite as a kid was godzilla versus destoroya as he's called which was like some nuclear toxic waste monster who fought godzilla and godzilla had like he was like overcharging his radiation and was going to explode and like wipe out japan and they needed to like you know, cool him off, but they needed him to be that strong to destroy destroy. And it's that how they say it throughout the movie. It is spelled, it's not destroyer, it is spelled destoroya. Like look at it written down. It's like D-E-S-T-O-R-O-Y-A-H. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. And I've been yeah. I've been kind of track. I'm trying to track them down. Toho has been doing these like double feature Blu-rays, and I I found a few of those. Uh, I keep meaning to carve out time to watch them, but the bulk of my Godzilla love came from this PlayStation Two game I had as a kid called Godzilla Save the Earth, which I regrettably traded in when I traded in all of my PlayStation Two games to buy Batman Arkham City for sixty bucks when it came out, which I know <laughs> I was an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I can't find that game anymore, <laughs> but it's like a Godzilla Mortal Kombat. It's got, you know, characters from throughout the, the movies run. You get to fight on various cities. It's mostly Tokyo, in, like in Tokyo day, Tokyo night, Tokyo downtown. Like it's, it does that. <laughs> and um, There's Godzilla like from the eighties. There's Godzilla 2000. There's, you know, Gigan, Hedora, Megalon, Mechagodzilla. Uh, it just goes on. And it was a good lineup, and it was fun. And, uh, of course, you know, I watched the 98 Godzilla. And as a kid, I enjoyed that because I didn't know better. Same. We had it on a VHS or DVD, I forget which. And, yeah, I used to watch it a lot. My mom had it taped from TV along with Ghostbusters 2, which was on the same tape. And the tape was so damn degraded, I couldn't even watch Ghostbusters 2. And I could barely watch Godzilla. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm looking back on it. I'm starting to see, like, now that I've seen Godzilla, like the 90s one, I can see why my parents magically were never in the room when I was watching it. Yeah, it's a shitty movie that just totally rips off Jurassic Park for its third act. Yeah. I I haven't seen... There's one of the Godzilla movies where Godzilla meets that Godzilla and fucking lights his ass up immediately. Like, just rips into him. It's not even a fight. It's just a massacre. It's a goddamn curb stomp. And they don't even call him God. They call him Zilla. Like, they don't let him be a god. 
Well, it's because of that movie that we didn't get a new one American-made until 2014. Japan was pretty mad with us on that. As they should be. I mean, what a way to massacre a legacy. <laughs> yeah. They were like, yeah, you can... Well, okay, American movie. And then they saw that and went, don't ever touch our Godzilla again. I, from what I understand, like there was a lot of work done on the studios be like, can we please... Like, we'll work with you. We just really want to make a new one for American audiences. Yeah, I'm sure they had to, you know, that's that's touchy. I'm sure they had to go through a lot of hoops, and I'm glad they did. I'm glad they ended up with what we got because I think, you know, these have restored the, the Godzilla's kind of global box office crown, which is nice. And also, if you're looking to get them the old ones on Blu-ray, I don't know how expensive they are, but it's either Arrow Video or Criterion. I forget which. It is weird that so many of these are in the Criterion collection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is Criterion. They have two different sets. The the Showa, Showa, whatever era, and then our era. They have two different sets of two different eras. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I'll look into that. The one I really want to watch is Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, just from the title. I want to I see what the hell Space Godzilla is. Space Godzilla? <laughs> yeah, Space Godzilla. All one word. He's basically Godzilla with crystals coming out of his back. <laughs> there, God, it's like we have so many franchises that go on too long, and you can just tell they're reaching. Fast and Furious is a good one when it comes to its titling. Oh, you want to talk about titling? Oh, I have some news for you. The Godzilla movies get so wacky with their titles, and they are just hilarious. Uh, one of them is like, 16 words long. Let me try to find the um okay. So I'm looking at like the sequel list. And um uh so here's I'm just gonna read out the list of the Godzilla movies from 55 54 to 2016. So we have Godzilla, Godzilla Raids Again, Rodan. Mothra, King Kong versus Godzilla, Mothra versus Godzilla, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ibira Horror of the Deep, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, All Monsters Attack, Godzilla versus Hedorah, Godzilla versus Gigan, Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Godzilla 1985, Godzilla versus Biollante, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, Godzilla and Mothra the Battle for Earth, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2. Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, Godzilla versus Destoroya, Godzilla 2000, Godzilla versus Megaguirus. This is the goofy one. Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters all out attack. <laughs> Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, Godzilla Tokyo SOS, Godzilla Final Wars, and Shin Godzilla. Holy shit. <laughs> There's no way all of those are good. Probably not. <laughs> That's not even kind of the recent like trilogy of animated Godzilla films that came out on Netflix. Yep, not counting that, not counting the various animated series in both Japan and America, the 98 Matthew Broderick movie, and of course the four MonsterVerse films. <laughs> Good lord. This is an enduring cultural icon. He's got a Godzilla has a star on the on the walk of fame. <laughs> Like, there's very successful actors who don't have that. <laughs> Is it a star or just a hole from his atomic breath? Ah, it should be. 
It's hilarious. I love that fictional characters, I think like Godzilla, Mickey Mouse, Kermit the Frog, like some of these that just have stars on the walk of fame. <laughs> That's funny. There are actors that try all their life and they get beat out by Godzilla. Oh, yeah. So shifting gears, let's talk about King Kong for a bit. Uh, Kong, arguably, you know, not this, I don't think at the same level of cultural significance as Godzilla, but still decent guy, you know, really just, you know, into blondes, wants to trap, likes to travel. Like, cool dude. Um, <laughs> I have not seen the 1933 original King Kong. Uh, have you? I have not. Um, the only one I've actually seen, minus this recent bout, was the uh, Peter Jackson directed three hour epic. Yeah. That didn't need to be three hours. It does not need to be three hours. I've seen the, only that one too. And it it's an interesting angle to take. Uh, very much a horror movie. Uh, incredibly brutal at times, really disturbing. Uh, Kong's not that big. Like, seems, you know, kind of weak in that one. Yeah, I I won like that movie, but I, it's hard for me to sit through because it's three hours. Like, that's that's a movie where its runtime is not necessitated. I don't know why coming off Lord of the Rings with that movie, he was like, I need to do a three-hour epic. I'm like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> nope, you've done it three times. You can take a break. Well, and there's like a, a four-hour director's cut out there, too. Like, holy shit. What more could you possibly have in there? <laughs> more slow-mo shots? I don't know. It's not a bad movie, King Kong 2005. It's just, it's a film you don't really go back to because it's so long and because it's been done better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, like, the, the the bug pit scene, though, is is going to stay with me forever. <laughs> that is, that's nightmarish. That scene is haunting. It comes out of nowhere, honestly. Yeah. It's watching a slug monster just devour Andy Serkis's head. I almost spilled my icy when I saw that when I was 10. <laughs> mm. I have a lot of just bad experiences in movie theaters as a child stories. <laughs> Notice I don't have nearly as many, if any. Side story. I was thinking about this the other day because I hadn't really thought about this in a long time. But you know what really freaked me out when I saw it at the movies? The Punisher, 2004. Because I did not like, I have a big family and it freaked me out to see assassins kill Frank Castle's entire extended family at the beach. It it made me feel very uncomfortable. (laughs) I was a very, you know, emotional, sensitive child. I can tell. Now I'll watch that and be like, oh, he's going to fuck them up. So, yeah. I I grow. (laughs) I must have been cold because I was just like, all right, let's bring on the carnage. Let's let's see the revenge. Let's get to it. Now I'm like cheering when, you know, Castle just fucks Howard Saint's life up. I I like that movie. Yeah, I don't care who say I like that movie. I think Warzone's better, but I do like the first one. Really? You like Warzone? I could not get into Warzone. I fucking love Warzone. I, it's for me. It's Jigsaw. It's Dominic West. Like he he nails it. I love his performance in that movie. And Doug Hutchison's just crazy as hell. It's so they 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 help. And Ray Stevenson's not the best Punisher, but I think he does a decent job. I like that they included Micro, and I love Wayne Knight. There's just a lot of my favorite actors are in that movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. and the violence is turned up to fucking eleven. Like it is he, a gory movie. He punched the dude's head in. All right, I won't yeah. forget that. <laughs> 
that is insane. Like just, you know, blowing up the like, you know, Jamaican parkour dude with the oh, rocket launcher. <laughs> he's mid parkour. That actually makes me laugh. I remember watching that and laughing my ass off. Well, to me, it's the other guys just like, what? What was that? Like, not sure what to do next. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Kong uh, is kind of the hero of this movie. He's kind of viewed as the good guy now. You think that's that's a fair assessment? I I think so because what I've always liked about King Kong, regardless of how I feel about the movie, mm-hmm. is that a lot of times the directors do a great job humanizing Kong. And they do it again here. They do a really good showing that like he's not really trying to hurt people. He's not trying to be destructive. He wants to go home. He likes being on Skull Island. For him, that's home. He likes protecting it. But as Mary establishes beginning, the climate's gone too dangerous now. And so... I don't see any issue with making him like the good guy per se, because unlike Godzilla, who has zero issues wrecking anything in his path. <laughs> yeah. Kong kind of like at times were actively stay out. Like he only, he was only protecting his home and gets mad when people come there. That's been like the consistency with each of the movies. So I'm okay with that, that ideal. Yeah. Kong's always kind of represented, you know, man trying to control nature and just nature biting back. Whereas Godzilla is kind of, you know, man's arrogance at, you know, trying to destroy it. And yeah, they, they work together well. I did watch King Kong versus Godzilla from 1963, and that is one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen in my life. So not a great uh, place to start with these two. Uh, it happened, the way it got all fucked up is because the Japanese wanted to make a good Godzilla movie and the Americans wanted to make a good King Kong movie and nobody was willing to compromise. <laughs> what year did this movie come out? 63. That explains a lot right there with the whole not compromising. Yeah. Some wounds were still fresh. Too much oh, too much big dick energy like we're America. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where Kong is literally like flown in on balloons. Not cool like in the new one where there's like a big tarp. Like he's literally like balloons are tied to him and they fly him in and the Godzilla fight is like three minutes at the end of the film. Like they don't even meet until then. It's crazy. The whole movie is like watching them both do separate things and then there's some kind of like climate crisis or I don't remember. It was so, I was checked out. I gave that a three. I was checked out real early on that one. And there is a scene where Kong grabs a tree and tries to shove it down Godzilla's throat, which has become kind of like a meme. And the new movie, like, called, like did a throwback where Kong like, tries to shove the handle of the axe into Godzilla's mouth. Oh, and yeah. I was like, that's from the old one. So that was nice. I did crack up every time Godzilla kept trying to do his fucking atomic breath at Kong, and Kong just keeps batting. No. <laughs> so, so, no. <laughs> I like Kong smart. He knows if Godzilla opens his mouth, Kong's dead. So I love that he's like, ah, like actively trying to shut that shit down. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it was, the, the visuals were so amazing. I thought that Godzilla and Kong both felt like full characters more than they ever have. I thought that was really cool. Like you understood their motivations. 
Like mm-hmm. Godzilla is pissed that humanity would dare make their own alpha. And I think he knows that Ghidorah is dangerous and you shouldn't fuck with him. And yeah. Kong is like, I just want to go home. I don't know what this shit is, but it's in my way. <laughs> well, and that's what I'm talking about when it made me mad that people kept pointing out like the lack of human character. I'm like, I don't give a shit about any character, human character development, because the title alone, one, they're delivering big time on this title. And two, stop worrying about that. And folks, the fact that they actually do a great job giving us development on our two monsters. Like Kong is humanized greatly in this movie. Yeah. And even Godzilla, those times where they show his face and you can tell with his facial expression, it's like, you get it. I'm like that to me, that's actually more impressive that I was able to get without these two CGI characters that don't obviously talk English. And I understood their motivations throughout the entire two hour runtime. And that to me is impressive. I agree. Although it would have been amazing if like halfway through the fight, Kong just broke out, you know, like a Planet of the Apes moment where he's like, no, or something like that. That would have been amazing. He just yells home. He's just home. And then beats his chest. I would have lost my mind. (laughs) Looking back, I'd be like, that was cheesy. But at the time I'd be like, whoa. (laughs) I love that Adam Wingard was so hellbent on actually declaring a winner because that's always been kind of a cop-out with versus movies is there no one's willing to pick a winner but this time it's very clear who won that fight and it's one of my favorite moments (laughs) oh with uh godzilla when he's just got his foot on kong's chest and is roaring in his face like stand the fuck down (laughs) don't yeah like the moral of that is you know you're gonna fight the king you better kill him yeah, it's great. Well, I, yeah, I agree with that too. I was really glad because, as much as like, for example, Freddy versus Jason, another versus movie I like a lot. Yeah, um, it does kind. Of, well, it gives you a clear winner, but it kind of cops out with the whole ending of like, he's not really dead. Of course, we know that it's a fucking scary movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one they did that. There was a clear winner, and I personally would have been Team Godzilla. I'm not just saying this post movie, but. Because Kong, he's strong, but the movies also don't strive back that sometimes he needs help. Well, also, you know, and I like the movie addresses this too. Um, monkeys, no matter how big they are, are flammable. And Kong's aware of that. So, yeah, I don't care how big Kong is, how strong he is, how talented he is with that axe. Godzilla is a nuclear dragon and he's going to win that fight. Yeah. <laughs> And God, you know, let's just we got we got to talk about these fights. We will, we will. But first, we got to go through Adam Wingard and the cast. Yes, God, I could. (laughs) So Adam Wingard has previously directed such films as Your Next, segments on VHS, VHS Two, and the ABCs of Death, The Guest, Blair Witch, and Death Note. So he is pretty much, you know, he's he's a horror director, and I I really hope this opens big doors for him beyond thundercats <laughs> i want to see like big franchises under this guy's belt because he has proven he can do it yeah i i've been a fan um i think the first thing i actually saw from well no it was vhs i liked this segment of vhs abc's of death love your next yeah i will defend blair rich i know a lot of people hate that recent one i will defend it i think it's a good movie 
Okay. Um, so I've I've been liking him for a while, and he, yeah, I agree with you. He absolutely brought it to this. This he did not fall flat on his face with it. Like he fucking he did a great job. Yeah, he did, and there was so many opportunities and ways he could have dropped the ball here, but he didn't. And I respect that. Um, Alexander Skarsgård plays Nathan Lind, hollow earth theorist. Skarsgård recently played Randall Flagg on The Stand. Um, he played Eric Northman on True Blood and Tarzan in 2016's The Legend of Tarzan, which I thought was pretty good. A lot of people hated that one. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that too, actually. I've seen it. I liked it. Pretty good. Tarzan's another thing I don't think has really been done very well past Disney. You know? Yeah. We got to take what we can get. Same with King Arthur, Peter Pan, and Robin Hood. I think all three of those are just constantly fucked up by Hollywood. Which is so weird. You think after a while they get one of them, right? You'd think. Uh, Skarsgård's not bad, but again, nobody's here for, like, you really could have cast anybody in these roles and nobody's going to notice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the what about name a bunch of characters that in this movie wise, okay, yeah, they're there and it's cool. They keep the story going. They give us an audience anchor point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's fine in it. I'm not going to sit there and be like, he needed to be in this movie. It's not. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I like him other stuff. I like pretty much all these actors and other stuff. So uh, Millie Bobby Brown returns as Madison Russell. Uh, she she's achieved worldwide fame for her role as Eleven on Netflix's Stranger Things, which Caleb is wearing a shirt of. Uh, it's a show I haven't checked out and don't plan to. Uh, yeah, I don't care. I don't like things that just rip off better things, and it's, it seems like it's just a constant stream of '80s references, and I don't care for that. So I don't want to. It throw. is so much more. Yeah, well. Than that. I don't have time. No. You're missing out on one of the greatest TV shows that Netflix has ever given us. Okay. Yeah. I don't care. So many people have tried. It's not, you're not going to do it. (laughs) Sorry. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) You're really disappointing me right now. I can tell. (laughs) Yeah. Let it be known from guys and fans that don't worry. Caleb here is a massive fan of Stranger Things. Cool. Good. Yeah. Good for you guys, listeners. You, if you guys have listened to everything we've done, you know, I have a lot of problems with a lot of things. <laughs> so you really shouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, this one disappoints me. Go on. Rebecca Hall plays Eileen Andrews, the Kong scientist whose job doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, Hall has appeared in such films as The Town, The Prestige, Iron Man 3, The Gift, and Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. All great films except Iron Man 3, which I'm not really a fan of. Um, I like it up to the twist. Yeah, for me too. <laughs> but she's good. But again, like, why is she here? I mean, is she studying Kong? Like, But why? I don't really remember why, if there was a why. The, the most riveting, I'm just going to go on and say, the most riveting human character in this movie... <laughs> Is the little native core that can sign language calm? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think uh, I liked this next guy, uh, Brian Tyree Henry, as conspiracy theorist podcaster Bernie Hayes. He made me laugh quite. Yeah, a lot. I, 
I laughed a lot at his stuff. Uh, Henry's appeared in such films as If Beale Street Could Talk, Widows, Joker, Child's Play, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So he's had he's been in some big stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, he's great. <laughs> he's hilarious as just this guy who makes no effort to disguise his voice, but the company is hunting down the guy who's doing these like leaks, these podcast leaks. But like, should this be hard to find? I mean, he does most of these podcasts on company property. <laughs> yeah, like his whole scene when he has to get the guy out of the room to get the information, like in real life, that would be the most like right there. Like, okay, it's definitely him. Like, why are you in this space? Why are you actively trying to get someone out of the room? But no, everyone's like, oh, we got big big lizards that we have to worry about <laughs> well, i love that he's just you know on like episode 128 129 of this all like long going podcast and sounds exactly like himself but it's like they've been trying to find me for this like this whole time and they'll they can't track me down and like all they got to do is listen to like one episode and they will know exactly what you sound like and they will find you like that's a, that I mean, makes no sense 11 found him super easy and I will only refer to her as Eleven because that's where I know her from, and it's a great show. Let's move on. <laughs> I didn't see Enola Holmes either. I heard she was good in that. I haven't seen that either. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, Isa Gonzalez plays Maya Simmons, like one of the just most unlikable characters I've ever seen. Uh, totally deserved to get squished by Kong. I was very much looking forward to that. I was kind of hoping he was going to eat her. Yeah, I did like that though. And she's like, shoot him, shoot him. And he just fucking grabs it and then looks at her <laughs> and just squeezes. Perfect. <laughs> I was like, you don't fuck with Kong. You don't. Uh, Gonzalez has appeared in such films as Baby Driver, Alita Battle Angel, Hobbs and Shaw, and most recently in Netflix's I Care a Lot. Uh, and she's good, but this character is just written to be such a horrible human being that you were really rooting for her to die the entire time yeah i'm glad that i'm glad we got that delivery yeah well and to the point where like i really hope the the movie luckily wasn't trying to go for this big reveal that she was the bad person so i was like please don't do that because i know for a fact she's bad like you were writing her to be outwardly the bad guy this is company property like all that shit like who are you like oh i hate people like that and i love to see them get squished by giant monkeys uh, <laughs> Julian Dennison plays Madison's friend Josh, who really serves absolutely no purpose in this film whatsoever. <laughs> Other than to have jokes made at him about tap water. Like that, and like the only, like even when he's like, I can hack into Mecha Godzilla's frame, and he fucking doesn't. <laughs> he just pour whiskey down the computer. Like that's the whole, that's his whole purpose in this film is to just grab the flask and sprinkle. I did like the dude song. I was like, oh, great. Now I got to die in here with you. <laughs> uh, he's known mostly for his role as young mutant fire fist in Deadpool 2, which I thought he was great at. That's why, you know what? I'm, I'll say it right now. The whole movie, I was like, I've seen this kid in something, and it did not click for the entire two hours. <laughs> like, I knew immediately, I was like, hey, it's that fire fist kid. God, I am so glad you said that. I was like, for whole two hours, I was like, I've seen him in something. Not clicking. Hmm. I know I've seen him something. Yep. That. Wow. Wow. Okay. 
Uh, Kyle Chandler returns as Mark Russell, monarch scientist, and he really didn't need to. He's in one scene at the beginning, one scene at the end. I don't know what was more like weird to see was him have an extended cameo or Lance Reddick pop up for one line. Yeah, what a waste of Lance Reddick. God. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, Lance Reddick. And then he never popped up again. I think that Brian Cranston and Ken Watanabe should have survived this franchise and they should have been the ones witnessing the fight. Like that's, that's what should have been, you know, I think Aaron Taylor Johnson should have died in the first film because Brian Cranston's character had way more of a connection with Godzilla, you know, he killed his wife. So it made, it would make more sense to him for him to have that moment at the end. Uh, and then Ken Watanabe, same reason he's been researching Godzilla his entire life. Like he should have had the moment of like, you know, I'm witnessing him as a hero. Like, that would have been great. Well, and also, let's just be honest, it would have been the best time we ever heard the line, let them fight, if you got to say it in this movie. With a lot more, like, punch. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, what a waste. Uh, Apart from his Emmy-winning role on Friday Night Lights, Chandler has appeared in such films as Super 8, Argo, Manchester by the Sea, The Wolf of Wall Street, Game Night, First Man and the Midnight Sky. He's another guy whose stock went up substantially in the early 2000s and um, 2010s and has never really stopped. And he's a great actor. I just don't think he needed to be here for, for this one. Yeah. No, like I like him and all the other stuff I've seen him in. But yeah, this one was like, we didn't really need his character. Like I get Tony Sinema, he brought 11 back. So you have like the kid character relate to Godzilla, kind of like how you have the kid character for Kong. I get that to an extent, even though not fully on board, but I get it. This one, though, I was like, you didn't really... You could have left him out. Would not have changed the movie one bit. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Oscar nominee Demian Bashir plays Walter Simmons, the mastermind behind Apex Cybernetics. And the second I heard the word cybernetics inside, I'm like, oh, fuck, we're getting Mechagodzilla. <laughs> like, it was just... Yeah, I, oh. I, I call... I called it before the movie came out, and as soon as it popped up, I was like, oh, shit, there it is. I, I was really, I was, I was pretty sure it was going to happen. I was hopeful, and I saw cybernetics, and I'm like, uh, uh, and then, you know, we, we get little teases, and then they get in the room with him, and I'm like, that are, there he is. <laughs> it was nice to get confirmation. Yeah. But can we just speak? Talk, you know, Oscar-nominated actor usually commits and does a good job in anything I've seen him in. Is it me or does it seem like every movie I've watched him in, he seems a little wasted? Demi Bashir? Yeah. <laughs> well, in this, he's so hammy. He's like, in case you weren't aware, I am the bad guy. <laughs> like, just so, no shit. Like, clearly, he's a corrupt businessman who's into some shit. Yeah, it's it's not, again, though, I... Where I get why people, I guess, are talking about like they lack a character development, not when I'm paying for it. So for me, when we get to these things, I'm like, uh-huh. All right, let's let's roll to the big guys. That's where you order your popcorn or go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they're talking about cybernetics. I've got at least five minutes. Uh, Bashir was nominated for his performance in 2011's A Better Life and has also appeared in such films as The Hateful Eight, Machete Kills, The Midnight Sky, The Nun, Alien Covenant, and most recently, Land. Another guy who just pops up consistently, but like you said, you know, doesn't do much. I feel like he's a, he's still bit parting, but he, he, he doesn't need to do it anymore. Yeah, and especially, like, I would say out of those, more so with horror films, 
it's like Alien Covenant, I felt like he was wasted in, but you could go on about how kind of like the whole cast to me was wasted in Alien Covenant. Uh, that's another podcast. And this is someone that doesn't even hate that movie completely. But moving on. Um, the Nun, which I fucking despised. Really? I hate The Nun with a burning passion. Ooh, I didn't know that. I, oh, God. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. Um, he, to me, is kind of wasting that, too. I think, you know, so far my favorite role he's done is The Hateful Eight because he actually was, you know, a significant character who got to do stuff. Yeah, well, and Tarantino always knows how to utilize his actors. But that's what you think about his movies. He knows how to utilize his actors. Yeah, he has never written a small part in his career. Everybody matters in all of his films. Everyone has something to do. That's yeah. why you get like big actors to play, you know, scenes like roles that are only in like one scene because they get to be somebody in a Tarantino film. Memorable characters. That's that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I say like if we're being more specific, but Bashir, I would say horror films seem to never utilize them well. Yeah, I agree. You should. I don't know if you dig it, but Land he has a very, um, very significant role alongside Robin Wright. And it's a very sad movie, but he is fantastic. I'll watch it. If you're if it's a very sad movie, it's gonna be a day where I'm alone and ready to get into that mood. Yeah, I went and saw it at the movies. I was the only one in the theater, and I was just like, oh, like this is good, but I'm Jesus Christ. I <laughs> it's a sad movie. Uh so Godzilla versus Kong has an IMDB score of 6.7, Rotten Tomato score of 76% as of this recording. And so far, it has grossed $285 million on a budget of $200 million. It's on its way to becoming the first pandemic-era box office hit and could potentially lead the way for many more blockbusters this year. Very excited. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it makes me excited. Um, because, you know, as the vaccines are rolling out, you know, you're hearing about the vaccines coming out more and more. Some states are opening it up now to, like, everyone and stuff like that. This making, I know, like, some people be like, oh, does it really matter? It's like, this is a very big deal that even if it doesn't, because I know, like, the budget's 200 and that's not including whatever they spent on marketing, which had to be anywhere from another 100 to 150 million. Yeah. The fact that it's at 285, that's over its budget. So if it can keep going and at least like match its uh its marketing cost, yeah, in a pre-pandemic war, that's not a lot. But right now, that's big. That's the most we've seen make. So this is awesome that this is seems to be the movie that's convincing people that it's okay to go back to the theaters as long as those theaters are practicing safe mitigations. Yes. Thank you, Godzilla, for showing us the way. <laughs> Finally, a God I can believe in. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk this movie. This was a big anticipated film. I was really worried that they were going to pull it. Thank God they didn't. I got to see this and God damn, did it deliver. <laughs> I'm with you. I was, I remember surely, I think, was it, I think it was after Godzilla or after Kong when they were laying out the roadmap. They were like, okay, this is what we plan on doing. And when I, as soon as I saw Godzilla versus Kong on that roadmap for like the ultimate thing, I was like, holy shit, this is like the MonsterVerse, like Avengers version for MonsterVerse. Like, this is going to be awesome. Please, please let this happen. Like I said, I got scared when King and the Monsters came out because they were talking about it was a disappointment. 
but thank God we got this because it fucking delivers. Mm, so cool. Uh, I love that they've like blocked off Skull Island. They like locked Kong in a, like, in a like a like a zoo because they're just you know they need to keep him under lock and key, and he's aware of it too. I love that he's just like throwing shit at the sky like fuck you, let me out. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I love how that scene is when you kind of like have the music playing. He's in his morning routine. Yeah. <laughs> of course, establishing Kong has a nice routine in the morning every day. And then you see him grab a train up thinking, oh, what's he going to kill? And he just launches it into the wall. And you're like, oh, shit, they got him contained. He's not happy. Yeah. I never thought I'd see King Kong just, you know, casually scratch his ass. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know what? I related. I was like. I've been there, Kong. I've been there. Sometimes I feel like a giant monkey just going through the motions. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Not every day is a winner. (laughs) You know, every species deals with that. (laughs) And in that scene where we are introduced to his newest, like, you know, female that he likes, which is the little native core, which I really like the relationship. You know, I thought it was sweet. It was a sweet thing. What's Kong kind of, you know, I love that they like secretly know sign language and Kong's like, hey, don't tell the scientists. <laughs> Some sneaky shit. I think, you know, Kong's a lot smarter than we think. And uh, I, yeah, I think it's cool that he's kind of chosen his own exile almost. Like he doesn't want to deal with people. But because he's, you know, we saw Kong Skull Island. We know what he thinks of humanity. <laughs> Not much. Now, when you have Samuel L. Jackson crazily hunting you down. I haven't watched that in a long time. I think that's overdue for a rewatch. It's a good movie. It is a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I love that when we first see Godzilla, we're kind of unclear over why he's doing this, but he is like fucking like hardcore dedicated to wrecking this place. Yeah. He's here. Like he felt you know, Ghidorah's, like, he he felt his presence or something, and is like, oh, that bitch, and, like, got out of the ocean, is like, I'm here, where, you know, throw hands, where is he? And he's not there, but he figures it out, and he's like, oh, these motherfuckers, and just wrecks that, that, um, factory. I love, but I love that humanity's immediately like, Godzilla has turned against us. Like, no way, the giant fire-breathing lizard who never really kind of confirmed that he was on our side, he's against us? <laughs> Yeah, everyone just seemed like, you know, after all the destruction he has caused us in two consecutive movies, (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's on our side because then he killed other monsters, not us. We were just collateral damage. We're fine. And then he comes out of the woodwork, destroys this building, and after two movies, everyone's immediately like, he's the bad guy. Not What were they doing? But just the fact that we we were arrogant enough to think Godzilla is, like, defending us. He doesn't give a fuck about us. He's defending his title as king. He's the alpha. That's what he's defending. He doesn't care about us at all. Godzilla doesn't save anybody in any of these movies. He literally just swims around. As soon as he senses, he's like, oh, so wants to challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I just picture him like popping out, you know, hearing like a, you know, a signal or something and then popping out of the ocean like, who said that? Who the <laughs> fuck said that? Who's got the balls? Like just come on like that's basically what he's doing every movie he's just atomic breathing ships out every day just yeah, oh you want to try 
Fuck you. <laughs> Just one after another. The guy's got problems. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But basically, you know, in monster language, that is what he's doing. He's sensing the, the you know, the presence of an al- another alpha and taking care of business. That's why yeah. him and Kong are at odds. <laughs> One could say that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm going to pretty much be ignoring the human shit and focusing on the monster stuff, if that's okay with you. I'm okay with that. You don't know how badly I want to get to the fight scenes. Good, good. Uh, let's talk a bit about the Hollow Earth whole thing, because that was kind of neat. I thought it was weird that you have to go through like a literal portal to get there. Like just some naturally occurring portal at the center of the world the the science in this entire series admittedly is very flimsy yeah but i'm okay with that when you've got you know 300 foot apes and fire breathing lizards and three-headed alien dragons (laughs) i I can deal yeah um no i thought the design when they finally got through the portal which not ever doing in my life that were a real thing uh the design of it was really neat. Um, I like how they purposely made it disorienting when they first got in there because you had like laying on top and bottom. And I like how if you notice how you shot it, was it was disorienting. I was kind of there going, I don't know where we're at, but it's by design and it works. Well, I love that there's no there's no sky. Like it is just kind of like wraps around and it really makes it look vast. And that's neat, you know, it's the, it's the domain of monsters, so of course it's going to be huge. But I was a little bummed that there was nobody there. Like, I was hoping for, like, another Kong or, like, Gigan or something. But Yeah, maybe, like, a fun cameo or something. Yeah. But I did like the scene when Kong fucks up those, like, lizards and then drinks their blood. <laughs> that was fucked up. <laughs> that was, just ripped his head off and was like, ah! Like, he was, that was some crazy out-of-character bloodlust. <laughs> Well, he came right after the fight with Godzilla. I think he was angry. There was some pent-up anger there. Yeah, Godzilla almost drowned his ass. He wants to he wants to kill something. I thought that was gonna be like later on when he rips off Mecha Godzilla's head, I thought he was gonna try to drink the blood and be like, Tuck! like because it's oil. Like I thought that was gonna happen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think my favorite moment, well, maybe not my favorite moment. My favorite moment's the arrival of Mechagodzilla because I've been waiting for that for years. But my favorite, besides that, one of my favorite moments is when Kong finds the axe. And it kind of, you know, signifies like there were more apes. Like Kong's race of monsters ruled this place. Mm. And he sits in like the big throne. And I'm like, holy shit, he's King Kong now. That, (laughs) yeah. That was Ooh. a cool, cool imagery. Yeah, that was bitching. I was like, oh, shit. Because they've never called him King Kong. They've only ever called him Kong. So I think in that moment, he's now King Kong. Yeah, it's King like they're the finally... <laughs> yeah, they're giving him the title officially. Mine, for, Actually, one of my favorite moments is a little moment they kind of put in the trailer. It's when the storm was happening on uh, the ship and the little native girl walks out to go see about Kong mm-hmm. and you see his hand come up to do the finger touch like it's a small moment but i really liked it because you kind of again it's like humanizing kong like they do such a great job with that true yeah i agree uh i thought it was neat using the skull crawlers again to like test out mecha godzilla getting to see those things again 
that was pretty cool. And just Mecca, just ripping those things apart. <laughs> um, I thought the whole, let's just, let's, let's refocus and just talk about Mecha Godzilla for a bit. Cause I've been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> Mecha Godzilla has always been my favorite Kaiju. And I love the idea that humanity's like, we want a Godzilla and build their own. And he's like, he becomes self-aware and it's just like, I don't work for you. <laughs> and just does its own thing. I think that's great. And I love that they did that in the movie. The moment where Mecha Godzilla goes self-aware and like turns at Demi and Bashir. I'm like, fuck. It's so clear what's happening. He like nukes the Asian dude's brain and just <laughs> goes on a tear. It's fucking great. Oh, that's, that scene is perfect when you see them all backing up and he's so self-absorbed he's not noticing what they're doing. <laughs> he just keeps talking and all you see is the head turning and looking at him. I remember they're going, dude, stop. You need, a, you need to move forward. You're about to move forward. It's looking at you. It's going to be looking at you. It's so from the second he shows up, you're just like, if you're a fan, you're losing your mind seeing yeah, him no. again. The, the the design of Mechagazilla was badass. I was ecstatic to see him. Because I remember thinking, like, all right, I know these guys are going to fight, but you can't tell me they're going to team up at some point in this movie. And the moment Mechagazilla comes, I was like, yes, that's how they're going to team up. I mean, because of <laughs> Mechagazilla. It was bitching. I, I like that little moment where Brian Tyree Henry's like, it's Robo-Godzilla. And Firefist is like, no, no, no. That's Mechagazilla. <laughs> he just has that moment, like, you, you get that name right. Because <laughs> fans would have been pissed if they called him Robo Godzilla the whole time. Yeah, I will say that I love how, like, unlike you know uh, the show, the series you mentioned earlier, the CW uh, Arrowverse shows, how they take forever to get to naming their people. Yeah, this one, no, it was like as soon as he said it's Robo, he's like, nah, nah, that's stupid. It's Mecca. <laughs> I have never understood why that's a why that's a thing. Just name the guy. Just name the people. Like. You know fans want that, so why do you stretch it? Why do they do that? I think they try to do it because they don't want to be corny, but I'm like, no one cares. Like, if you're trying not to be corny in a movie where two fucking impossibly huge monsters fight each other, are you fucking kidding me? Just call it Mechagodzilla. You're not going to lose. I'm not going to be like, let's, let's calm down. Let's naturally get to that name. I don't. No, I'm going to be like, yeah, okay. Well, like on the CW, like the show is called the flash what what can you possibly be holding from us <laughs> how is it any corn here look they had a con the speedster and whatever else dumb name they came up with for the entire think, first season i think it was the streak <sighs> that's the other thing too have you noticed that you had the shriek the hood they always use the and then some stupid name i'm like just drop the just drop it four seasons to get the green arrow and that yeah. season sucked and we almost got there once when uh i think it was in season one or two when merlin's like hey what should they name him green arrow and then fucking oliver no that's stupid at least supergirl like ended episode one with supergirl yeah they were like all right people are probably getting tired of this let's just name it after the character thankfully godzilla versus Kong doesn't fuck around with that they're just like hey we know that the people seeing this are very excited to see Mechagodzilla. So we're going to name drop him. So you lose your mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just give me what I want. I don't want you to bullshit with it. 
I love that they built him like they built his uh, psychic network using King Ghidorah's skull. I mean, that is awesome because his psychic network, like it made sense. And of course, Ghidorah is not going to want to be played like a toy. Yeah. Well, and again, so many people focus on that one negative that it's like you're overlooking our cool thing with this series, which is that the continuity for only, I mean, I know it's not a lot of films, but still like it's surprisingly really good. Yeah. Throughout this series, from what they bring back, the fact that they made a point to have Kong Scarlet take place in the 70s. Yeah. So it was a teenage King Kong. And then this one, it's a grown up King Kong. Like that was a really smart move. That at the time, I was like, why are you making it take place in? Okay, now it makes sense. It's calling his time to grow into the mature, wise old ape that he is. That and drinks the blood of his defeated enemies when he's angry. <laughs> that's still like holy fuck that's violent but um, i did like their reaction they're like oh god (laughs) maybe we should screw with this guy uh if you like eating you know eating those people like you know cracking open a peanut for him (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um but yeah i just i thought it was really cool that we got payoff from the uh, post-credit scene of King of the Monsters, where Charles Dance finds Ghidorah's head, and is like, "Well, that's interesting," because that's that's how you know Apex got the skull and built this neural network, and so it's Mecha Godzilla possessed by King Ghidorah, and that is holy shit! Is that cool? Which also explains why he's so quick to go after Godzilla. He's like, "Motherfucker, we got beef." Yeah, he remembers his ass. <laughs> You killed me. I'm coming after you now. Now who's got nuclear fire? Who's got rockets now, bitch? Like, it's, yeah, it's a beef on site, straight up. You, you think he was confused when, like, King Kong came? He's like, who the fuck are you? I don't have beef with you. Yeah, I, th- I love the way that that happens. Like, first, Godzilla and Kong have their epic fight. It's like, you know, round three. And it's a bit, it's a badass fight. Like you said, you know, Kong's trying to keep Godzilla from, you know, shooting fire he's got that axe i love when he like you know uses the axe as a shield and like charges it up and just whacks his ass like good god man (laughs) this is so bitching (laughs) and then you know godzilla wins that fight and kong's like dying and they use the uh the pod to like supercharge his heart because that's how that works yeah well that's how that works. And apparently Skarsgård's running is fucking in tip-top shape because he got four away before that thing blew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, Look, I'm an out-of-shape fuck. I would have died. <laughs> yeah, I I barely made it off of, yeah, I would have barely made it off of Kong and been like, oh, God, I need a breather. I wouldn't have tried. I'd be like, fuck it. I made it this far. Uh. I love when Kong like gets up and his his shoulders dislocated, so he bangs it against a skyscraper. Like fuck, <laughs> the people who made this movie are such fans, and they they know like they wanted to make this such a cool movie. I'm so glad they did. Yeah, this was the event film that we were building up to. And then the little girl tells Kong like Godzilla is not your enemy. I didn't know there was a sign in Ape for Godzilla. <laughs> Or robot. How does Kong comprehend what a robot is? Kong is really smart. <laughs> like, 
it's just, you know, Godzilla is not your enemy. That robot thing is, that's never done anything to you is your enemy. And God, Hope of Kong's like, that motherfucker just goes after him without question. <laughs> um, what I've learned in this movie is that if he gets defeated, he's like immediately bloodthirsty. Like the poor sap that comes his way, he's like, I want to fucking destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> Kong doesn't like to lose. Oh my god. Yeah. But it is cool when you know Mecha's tearing Godzilla up and you can see the bloodlust in Mecha's eyes. Like, I have been waiting for this for quite some time, you motherfucker. And then Kong just like ah, like it's so cool to see him just rip into Mecha Godzilla and then Godzilla to be like, Oh, you're backing me up now? Okay, let's take it. Let's do this. Like, there's no, there's not like a moment of like, I don't know. It's like, let's get him. <laughs> Look, we'll stop our beef right now. We just need to destroy this guy. I love that Godzilla knows, like, this fucker's going to kill me. I need some monkey business right now. <laughs> it's, yeah, and they, like, they tag team his ass, like, really well. It's cool how well they fought together. It was awesome. But, God, uh, should we just go ahead and talk about the fight scenes? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, the, the round one on... The water. Yeah. First, I want to start by saying, as someone who is currently serving in the United States Navy, these movies make me want to get out quick because, dear God, the loss of life <laughs> on those boats. I I have never served in the military, but I think I can say with absolute certainty, you were probably in no danger of having your ship tipped over by fucking Godzilla. <laughs> I know that, but I don't go to have that fear. I remember watching this going, oh, hey, look, there's a carrier. It'll be safe. Nope. Immediately, like a fucking canoe, just over a second. That was freaky. I did like how when Kong finally gets free and he's like looking around like, all right, I need to get off this boat. And he just eyes that fucking carrier. He's like, I'm getting on it. I'm fucking getting over there. And just destroys a carrier. I don't care. You're like another vessel in between him with it. No care. Just, oh, you're on my way. Sorry, bro. To get on that. And I'm going to like, God, as someone who could just imagine day-to-day life on there, easy. I can imagine some guys just eating going, oh, shit. Imagine looking off like the side and you're just, you just see these like, you know, 30, 40 foot spikes sticking out of the ocean and you're like, you live in this universe. You've seen Godzilla on the news. You know what's up. <laughs> You're like, fuck. <laughs> I'm out. There is some bitter Navy guys that are like, I only had a year left. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Get, you know, Kong detail. Like, you know some bad shit's going to happen, either by ape or by sea. <laughs> <sighs> I also love Godzilla's whole deal of like anybody who even thinks of taking me on, I'm striking first. <laughs> like, don't you even try it. He senses Kong's off the island and he's like, I don't care what the circumstances are. That motherfucker's mine. <laughs> this is awesome. I love the, the beef of like Godzilla just has a short ass fuse, man. <laughs> it's, the most unprovoked attack because poor Kong's just saying, like, I just want to go home. Which I love the memes on Facebook, by the way, they keep popping up. Uh, <laughs> I just want to go home. And all of a sudden, Godzilla's like, I don't know, I don't know you. 
I don't know why you're in my water, but you know what? You're bigger. You're a big guy, and I'm going to fucking kill you. There's one, one apex predator here. All right, buddy. Godzilla is like a little league dad. You think you're better than me? You want you want to throw down? He's just he's that guy. <laughs> yeah, and Kong's just like, no, I don't, but I will. I really just want to go home, but all right. I do like how when Kong sees the spikes, he immediately is like, ah, shit. All right. And he's like trying to like, he's like, at one point I want him to look at them and be like, get me out of these fucking chains, idiots. Yeah. And I do like the, the lead up to that when he looks over the water and I'm sitting there going, oh man, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Like Kong has never, you know, they never met but he knows the stories. He's heard of the king. He knows what's going on. And when they get out of the, when he gets out of the chains and he just like roars down into the ocean and Godzilla comes up like, you, you, what'd you say? <laughs> just like, Kong punches him. It's, it starts out so epic and it doesn't stop. Does the, the moment of like sheer absurdity that I was like still on board was when Kong gets on the carrier and he has his little ground now. And you just see guys that are fucking get on that thing. And these two guys are duking it out on a United States aircraft carrier. So I, I'm not familiar with uh, the naval procedures. Can an aircraft carrier maintain like 15 million pounds? Like it, would, it would have sunk. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> God, it would have gone down. And also just... I guess we're going for levels of authenticity here. Um, unless that was a no-fly day, the flight deck that they were on would have been filled with people. So in this case, it would have been filled with dead bodies. Well, um, I, I think in that case, like I don't think a lot of the sailors were willing to just kind of hang out with Kong. <laughs> no. So, yeah, usually those people on the flight deck they would have been. Um, I did think it was funny that one guy that was in his uh, his jet that tried taking off uh. or Kong grabs him or whatever. He's like, abort, abort, abort. And he like gets out. I'm like, first off, why are you in there? Cause there's no other crew around you. Like, I don't know why you're in your plane by yourself. That would never happen. I think that, I think he was running. <laughs> I would have, I would have done the same. <laughs> Fair. He did not make it far for, he had to fucking eject. <laughs> I love that Kong like grabbed it like a weapon and just like chucked it at Godzilla. <laughs> Didn't do shit. <laughs> Nothing is. I love it. Like Godzilla had the foresight to be like, I gotta drown this asshole. It's the only way. And just grabs him and holds on while he's got him underwater. I thought that was so cool. Ah, oh, that was neat. I did like when they like they're trying to help him like the fight, and they're like, because Kong gets back on the ship and just looks defeated. He's just, I'm done. And they're like, turn everything off, and like they do. And you see in the wreckage, Godzilla just look up and look at him with a look of like, I'm coming back for you, motherfucker. This isn't over. <laughs> I love that he's like, you think you can play dead? You know who you're dealing with? Like, I'm letting you go, asshole. <laughs> like, that is not the look of a guy who's like, all right, it's over. No, it's like, I'm waiting for round two. Yeah, he was looking at him like, motherfuckers just keep trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Fantastic. Round two happens in Hong Kong. 
I love that everyone just ends up in Hong Kong through crazy ass coincidences, you know, giant like through or through the earth portals and shit. Godzilla just blasts a hole through the fucking planet. <laughs> Godzilla. Can we just talk about that? Like he is so determined to get Kong. He detects that little radiation moment and just hones in, not caring that he's destroying a city in the process and just atomic breaths a hole into the goddamn earth. Yeah, and I love that Kong just jumps through it and is like falls out the other side. He literally dug a hole to China. Yeah. <laughs> and just falls out the other side ready to ready to throw hands. <laughs> and again, I love the fucking like almost WWE like fucking uh they're about to fight moment yeah. when it's just like Godzilla in his corner, Kong in his corner, and they're fucking staring each other down getting ready, and you just see them run, and I'm like Oh boy, here we go. Kong's got an axe. He's beating his chest with the other hand. Like it's just, damn. <laughs> and Godzilla wrecks him. Like he just, you know, throw, he scalds him with the fire and then just gets him down and puts his foot in his chest and just stares him down. Like oh, they roar at each other. And there's this kind of understanding, you know, Godzilla won, the fight's over. And Kong's yeah. just like, oh. <laughs> But then, you know, Mechagodzilla shows up and it turns into, you know, a tag team wrestling match, essentially. <laughs> I like the WWE just watched it and went going, I wish we could do something like this. Godzilla has defeated Kong and, oh, what's this? It's Mechagodzilla with a folding chair. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> oh, what's, what's going on over there? Is Kong getting up? Can he get up? Hulk Hogan's music just starts playing. <laughs> Can you smell what the rock is cooking? God. Oh, but yeah, it was it was bitching to see that, to see just Godzilla and Kong wreck this asshole. And uh, I thought it was interesting that Kong gets the kill. Like one of Godzilla's arch enemies and Kong gets the kill. I Yeah. I think it works in the sense that because they made a point to show Godzilla win between those two, that, okay, Godzilla won. We got that. We have an answer to this question. Um, let's go ahead and give Kong the win on Mecha, which ultimately paid off in that little final scene I like a lot between them yeah. when um, they were getting ready to leave. And for a moment, you think, like, oh, shit, they about duke it out again. But they just kind of look at each other, acknowledge, okay, I'll leave you alone. You helped me. I'm cool with you, but you stay the fuck out of my territory. Yeah. And then they both just part ways. So, I, again, like with a lot of things they do, it works. It works really well. Like I said, the, the characterizations on these two monsters is stellar. Yeah. I cannot praise that enough. It's so well done that you just understand everything without words. It's all facial gestures. And just like, you know, nods. Like there's only Godzilla's kind of like, you know, it's begrudging, but he's like, you know what? You back me up. You get, you get one. You get this one. Don't waste it. <laughs> and just takes off. And Kong's like, you know, finally I go home. <laughs> That's all he's wanted to do. And you kind of get the sense also that Godzilla's kind of saying like, I'm done with people. Like clearly they're done with me. So you handle it now. Like you, you protect this. You protect this earth. I'm going home. But yeah, 
that's kind of the vibe I got. It really is kind of, you know, it's a final feel to this one. Like, I don't think they're going to go. I don't, I think this is it. From my understanding that the deal they kind of made with uh, the Japanese studio Toho, this is supposed to be it. So unless this is like this success story we're kind of having because of the, you know, post-pandemic or the so far post-pandemic world we're living in. Yeah. Um, maybe they do talks and we get more, but from my, I don't really see that happening just because Japanese studios admittedly are not money hungry like American studios are and they're about like, look, we can leave it here. It's fine. Um, my understanding was when they did Godzilla, they made a deal that like, look, okay, this was a success. We will give you more movies, but this is like where it ends. And it was with Godzilla versus Kong. It's, I'm okay with that. This is a great ending to a solid franchise. But, I mean, if they were going to do more, is there any kaiju you'd like to see? Like anybody like you remember? Oh, man. God, I don't know. Like, I'm so happy with what they gave me. <laughs> I honestly don't know, because honestly, besides like the ones they've given us, it gets kind of silly with some of these monsters. I don't know how well you could translate them to screen. Well, I mean, admittedly, like Mothra sounds ridiculous. A giant moth. Like, that's it. But I thought they did a great job in King of the Monsters translating Mothra. You know, Rodan's a pterodactyl. That's it. Uh, Ghidorah is a three-headed psychic alien monster. That's and in the original movies, is a dude in a suit walking around. <laughs> so maybe, maybe if they could do like Gamera, cool. I know that's another big <laughs> one over in Japan. That's interesting. Yeah, Gamera is an interesting choice. Uh, I mean, personally, I'm pulling for Destroyer, but I don't think we'll ever get that. No, <laughs> I, I really, this is probably one of the few times with a franchise where, like, if they were to just leave it, the MozVerse at this. I'd be okay with it. I would 100%. There was a finale to it. It delivered on buildup I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I'd be okay if they just left it alone. If they do do another one, if their deal is like renewed mm-hmm. and changed, you know, I'll be excited. But I'll, I'll be per, like trepidatious too. Cause it's like, okay, now you're doing this because of how successful this movie was. Please like back that up with good movies. Cause you haven't filled me yet. I've consistently liked every single film that's come out of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like, you know, the ending. I like Kong being the king of hollow earth and living his own life. I wish the people would just fuck off. They don't need to be observing him. Just leave him. He's done enough. He saved the earth from two threats. I consider Godzilla a threat. Like I think that if, you know, provoked and he certainly was Godzilla would have leveled that whole goddamn planet just to make a point. He's an angry asshole in this movie. At at the end of it, he's like, ah, maybe I went too far this time. I think it would be hilarious if, like, at the end of (laughs) when Kong's, like, swinging through the hollow earth, you just hear, like, a very loud roar, and you just see Godzilla fall from that hole, like, that he forgot was there, and just ends up in the hollow earth, like, ah! (laughs) It's like, like, super angry and, like, refuses to admit that he tripped and just starts a beef again. Except it's really petty. Like every time Kong's just trying to make, like, you know, enjoy a morning show, he's like, "You want to fight, bro?" No, I, I'm, I'm walking. Kong's like, "You again? This is my house now. Like, what do you got?" <laughs> I, this is not a beef that's going away. 
or it could be like you know when they do the next one when space godzilla shows up and godzilla's like i thought i could take him alone but i can't i need your help and kong's like i swore i'd never go back like just it's like a, I could see, you know, and then Godzilla's fighting Space Godzilla. He's going to lose, and Kong shows up with the axe and is like, ah, you think I'd miss this party? Like, just some, some dumbass action shit. <laughs> I really want them to talk now. <laughs> I feel like they could. Like, in this movie, I feel like it wouldn't have been cheesy if they did in this one. It just, there was something so human about their beef. <laughs> I just, it would have made sense to me. Can you imagine if, like, they high-fived after beating Mechagodzilla? Like, good job! It looked like a sec- like for a second there that Godzilla was going to extend a hand. Like, a mutual, like, handshake or, like, a nod of respect or something. <laughs> Kong has thumbs. He's holding an axe the whole time. He, he could do a handshake. <laughs> he really liked that axe. But when Kong got the axe, he's like, I got a new toy. It was weird that it ended up being, like, a key. That didn't really make a lot of sense. It didn't make a lot of sense. I think it literally, that was part where, like, you could tell they were like, how do we, so we date, it was almost like they were like, so we wrote a story where they go to Hollow Earth, but now we got a problem on Earth. We got to get Kong back to Earth. How, you know what, fuck it, it's the key. Well, also, it, well, it was more like a ancient civilization's charging station. Because <laughs> it, like, absorbed the Hollow Earth energy that Godzilla was pulling from. He needed Bluetooth that day, so I thought it was bitching when like Mech- Kong has Mecha Godzilla pinned, and Godzilla like recognizes the axe and like blasts it to charge it, and then Kong just goes fucking butcher on Mecha Godzilla, rips oh, his ass up. He's like in the air. Yeah, that was yeah. So many awesome moments with that axe. <laughs> king Kong, a scepter for a king. Mm. I like how, like, so you know how we, we like, Godzilla, uh, Kong kept trying to make sure that Godzilla wasn't going to breathe on him, basically. Yeah. I like how when Godzilla realizes that the axe is a threat, he is actively trying to get rid of that axe constantly in their fight. He's like, God damn it, get, let go of the axe. It's, yeah, it's cool. Like, it shows that they both have, like, problem solving intelligence and are aware of each other's, like, you know motivations it's weird like i've never seen these creatures this intelligent and it's really cool to have that you know like mm-hmm. you said the character development is where it should be here yeah and yeah that's why i say I, I hugely cannot say enough how it bugs me that that's been a complaint since i think like yeah since 2014's godzilla it's like what are you pay- what do you think you're paying for when you go see a movie that's titled godzilla versus kong the next great drama do you think this is like they're gonna fight each other in debate like what do you think this is gonna be (laughs) no i paid to watch two of cinema's most iconic and enduring fucking monsters duke it out and god damn if it didn't give me that as awesome as i would love to like as as much as i would love to see a like godzilla versus kong courtroom drama where they're like suing each other that's not what this is Although I can see like a post-fight sue, like you know, lawsuit for punitive damages or something. King Kong puts on like glasses to read. <laughs> oh my! God. <laughs> oh, yeah, Godzilla's in a suit, like <laughs> giant, huge tailor-made suit, <laughs> just 
sitting there like quietly. <laughs> the axe is exhibit A. Tongue's <laughs> like, oh, so now you got nothing to say. Nope. There's millions of like survivors with like you know neck braces and shit. They all sued Godzilla. Like, <laughs> somebody needs to make that right now. <laughs> oh, there'll be a robot chicken or something like that. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so any more um any final thoughts on Godzilla versus Kong? Uh awesome movie. If you are close. To all of the fans that listen to this, if you are close and able to go to a theater, I know this is on HBO Max. I know the temptation's there. Continue to support theaters. They are doing precautions. You have to wear a mask. You can't sit next to someone unless it's part of your party you pay to go see the movie with. Yeah. And so that is something I think should we should keep. I like that a lot. Yes, I, I actually kind of want to keep that. Um, please help the theaters out. Go see this movie in theaters. This is a movie that I get it if it's on HBO Max and it's tempting to watch it there for you, but it works on the big screen. It Keep making this a success and show people that the theaters aren't going to die. We're going to keep them. And when this is all said and done, we still got a place to go see movies like this. So yeah, that's probably my last thing. Is like, please support this. Continue supporting this in theaters. I 100% agree. Yeah, definitely see this at the movies if you're able and willing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I give Godzilla versus Kong a nine. I thought it was epic. I thoroughly enjoyed it and just such a great treat for longtime Godzilla fans like myself. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I gave it an eight initially, but honestly talking about it, I'm like, I'm going to grade that to a nine. I, it happens. I, yeah. yeah. It happens. <laughs> it's, I really, I have almost like zero issues with this movie. I don't give a fuck about the characters whose names I do not remember at all, but what we like, it's called Godzilla versus Kong. I got three fights. I'm good. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good. You <laughs> got three well done fights. Yeah. This, I hope that, you know, if this is made within the window, I hope this is up for visual effects at next year's Oscars and I hope it wins. Yeah. This is a movie. Yeah. I would agree. This is a movie that, Again, part of the reason I humanized or even showed any sympathy with these creatures was because of the amazing visual effects that they were using. Yeah, good God. I've, <laughs> these characters have never looked better. It, yeah, they were impressive. I God, I could heap praise on that forever. Oh, hell yeah, man. Oh, this was fun. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a fun one. Um, next week, we get two releases. First up, the superhero comedy... Thunder Force on Netflix, starring Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. Second, in theaters, the sci-fi thriller Voyagers, starring Colin Farrell and Ty Sheridan. Tune in next week to see which films we talk about. On Wednesday's Filmgasm, Josh and I will be discussing Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. And on Oscar Sunday this weekend, Austin and I will be discussing 1999's American Beauty in a Best Picture Showdown. Also, tune in Friday to see what the Google guys are up to. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, and keep watching movies. Later.